So what to do when stuff happens? What to do when stuff happens? Like many ministers, I have a collection of books and a collection of files of stories. There are even books called sermon illustrations. Um, ministers tend to devour those. And here's a, an illustration from one of my minister's sermon illustration books. Here is an instruction on how to react to hungry pythons as given to peace corpsmen serving in Brazil. Remember not to run away. The python can run faster. The thing to do is to lie flat on the ground on your back with your feet together, arms at your side, head well down. The python will then try to push its head under you, experimenting at every possible point. Keep calm. This was underlined. You must let him swallow your foot. It is quite painless, and it will take a long time. If you lose your head and struggle, he will quickly whip his coils around you. If you keep calm and still, he will go on swallowing. Wait patiently until he is swallowed up to about your knee. Then carefully take out your knife and insert it into the distended side of his mouth and with a quick rip, slit him up. <laughs> I don't believe this is true. I do not believe that pythons run faster than people. And I don't like the end result of the python. But I am taken by the idea of remaining calm <laughs> under the most trying of circumstances. And I think that perhaps is the point that is trying to be made in this, this illustration. And I doubt that you are experiencing being swallowed up by a python. But I do know, I do know that each of us experience, experience times in our lives where we do feel like we're being swallowed up by difficulty, by change, by um, disappointment, by trauma, by all sorts of things. I also believe that for many of us who find our way into unity and science of mind teachings, that in the beginning, as we are gobbling up these teachings and understanding the principles and applying the practices, that there might be a certain naivete in the beginning where we think, well, if we just get all of this right, you know, if we just get right with our visualizations and our affirmations and our prayer work and our treatment work and all of that, that somehow there will never be another python in our life. We will never feel like we're being swallowed up. And I think that what happens over time as we season into these teachings and, and practice them with greater maturity and greater understanding and not so surface or superficially, that what we realize is that these teachings do change us. And as we change, our life circumstances do change and do improve. And yet, stuff can still happen. To the very best of us, the very most prayerful of us, the very most positive of us, the kindest of us, stuff can still happen. But these teachings and these practices do something to us to help us be able to meet whatever that is 
with much greater skill and with much greater success and a much better outcome. And so this idea of, you know, what do we do when stuff happens, I think applies to us regardless of how deep we are in these spiritual teachings and these spiritual practices. This month, we've reminded ourselves of the power of vision, right? Of having as clear a sense of what it is that we are really wanting to bring forth in our life. What is the kind of life that we want to live? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What are we doing? How are, how are we being? We took a look at the importance of continuing to work on ourselves, but to do so not in a, a, a punitive way, not in a shaming way, not in a we're going to whip ourselves into shape way, but in a gentle and loving and consistent way. We all have room for growth, do we not? We all have things that we are wanting to improve about um, in ourselves, skills that we might need to learn, uh, healings that we might need to, to experience emotionally or otherwise. And then we looked last week at the importance of creating space. What does that mean both physically and mentally and spiritually? And even with all of that good work, stuff's still going to happen. It's going to happen, but we can find a better way to work through it. No matter how spiritual we are, it's important that we remember life is a continuous process of getting used to things we hadn't expected. Getting used to things we hadn't expected. Remember the story of Moses and the Israelites, of Moses leading the Israelites through the, the, the wilderness, out of Egypt, and toward and eventually into the Promised Land? It was so important that he gave them a picture that they could unite around and that they could work toward. And of course, if you remember anything from your Bible uh, days, you know that it was a picture of the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, a land with abundance, a land with freedom, a land with prosperity. It kept the people going. But even with that vision, there were untold challenges along the way, detours along the way, upsets along the way, frustrations along the way. It was a journey, just as it may feel in our own lives, as we have a clear sense of what it is that we are really wanting to experience in our lives personally, in our lives professionally, in our families. We have a clear picture of it, and yet it can seem like there are detours, there are stumbling blocks, there are challenges, there are frustrations along the way. What I have come to appreciate, though, is that when we feel as if we've gotten some sort of a divinely inspired, God-inspired, prayerfully acquired vision for our lives, when we've gotten that, that somehow that alone is enough to give us the confidence to keep taking those steps forward. And this is why, whether it's during the burning bowl service that we do every year or in Lessons like this, I say it is so important to not just engage the mind when we are thinking about the life that we want to be experiencing and creating for ourselves, but to experience the heart, to bring the heart into it, to bring our soul into it, to bring our companionship, if you will, with the divine, whatever that 
means to us into the process of painting that picture. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So this is not just up here. When we feel as if we have really engaged in partnership with that spiritual presence and essence, then we are so much more empowered and so much more strengthened to deal with the stuff that will, not may, but will come up. Spiritual practice, I think, gives us a lot of resiliency. Nod your head or raise your hand if you have not found it to be true that the more you are growing and learning spiritually, the more resilient you seem to be in your life. Is that true for anybody else? Yeah? More like, you know, it, there's another word for it, and there's a picture I always get, and it's the picture of bounceability. We bounce back. Yeah, we may be knocked down, but there's something in us, that faith in us, that, that spiritual essence in us that brings us back to a right side, an upright position. There's um, an interesting uh, research study that was done on some, um, a group of 173 men who were followed since they uh, graduated Harvard. Um, in the early 1940s. So that you can imagine that it's starting to come to, they're losing some of the people from the study. But anyway, as the um, psychologists had been following this group of 173 men, they were trying to identify some of the many qualities that result in a person living a more fulfilled, more joyful, more positive life. And what they found was one of the secrets may lie in a person's ability to handle life's blows without blame or bitterness, but with resiliency. Without blame or bitterness, but with resiliency. So it's when that stuff happens, whatever that is, we lose a job, we lose a loved one, somebody walks out the door, we get bad prognosis from a doctor, a judge's decision doesn't go the way we wanted it to, that we can take that in, we can be adult enough to see it, to name it, to know what it is, but to also know that there is in us something stronger than whatever that is stronger than whatever that is. That's what spiritual practice, and I think having spiritual connections with other people, helps us to do. Because there are times that even the best of us can forget the very things that we have learned. Is this not true? Right? And that's why when we get together with a prayer partner or in a discussion group or in a life group or just a conversation with somebody of like mind and heart, we may have forgotten, but if they remind us of the principle, the practice, the hope, the faith, we can find ourselves bouncing back. We can find ourselves moving away from blame, moving away from bitterness, and find ourselves standing more upright. I want to share a few things that I have found to be helpful when I experience stuff happening. The first one is this, to learn to enjoy the detours and the delays. To learn to enjoy the detours and the delays. Doesn't mean I always do it, but I know that when I do do it, it's so much better. What is that fact about a missile? When a missile is launched, aiming toward a target, that it is off course something like more than 90% of the time, but it has within it 
a guidance system that is forever correcting itself? Do you ever feel like you've got the eye, you know where it is you're headed, but you waffle a bit? And sometimes it's just from your own distraction, perhaps, but other times it may be something in life is just throwing you off course. What's the expression? Two steps forward, one step back. Well, that's assuming a straight line. Sometimes I think it's more zigzaggy. And sometimes it feels very up and down. I like this story from the life of um, Frank Lloyd Wright, the architect. He once told of an incident that happened to him when he was about nine years old. It happened in the Midwest. It was a winter, winter's day, and he was out with his uncle walking across a big open field that had just um, experienced a beautiful, heavy dusting of white snow. And if you've ever walked across a snowy field and you just, you know, you're first to lay the tracks, there's just something really beautiful about that. And anyway, this incident that, that he remembered was seemingly like insignificant, and yet it wound up having a profound impact on his life. And so he's out walking across this field with his uncle, and when they get to the other side, the uncle has Frank turn around, and the uncle points out his footsteps. The uncle's footsteps from point A to point B where they stopped are in a perfect, efficient, straight line. And Frank Lloyd writes, are in this meandering, wandering path, like a nine-year-old boy would do, right? And the uncle says to him, notice how your tracks wander aimlessly from the fence to the cattle to the woods and back again, and see how my tracks aim directly toward my goal. There's an important lesson in that. Years later, it's said that Frank Lloyd Wright used to say of that incident, I determined right then and there, with a twinkle in his eye, he would say it, I determined right then and there not to miss most of the things in life as my uncle had. <laughs> not the ending we expected, right? Anybody who has ever gone on a walk with a toddler has experienced the very same thing, right? When you are walking with a little toddler, you had better not be in a hurry to get from point A to point B because you're not going to get there unless you drag the toddler along all the way. I can remember the, the joyful days, the joyful once I learned the lesson, of walking with our son Jonathan when he was a toddler. This little boy would stop. I don't know what his fascination was with leaves, but he would pick up a leaf and hold that leaf for an hour's walk talking to the leaf, waving, if he's watching, he's going to be so embarrassed, waving the leaf, writing stories in his mind as he got older about the leaf. We even named the tree that the leaves would fall from. In the beginning, in the early days, he was our firstborn. So in the early days, the walk was, we're going to get out, we're going to have fresh air, we're going to be efficient. Mom's got other things to do. Can any of the moms or dads relate to this? And those were not happy walks. But man, when I entered into his meandering, wandering Mr. Leaf walks, it was like magic. It was like magic. I want more of that. And that means I have to remember what I talked about last week, which is about creating space, creating openness, so that we can learn to take in the goodness, the beauty, 
of some of the detours that life gives us. Second, this is right from that uh, Robert Schuller quote that I read during the, the reading section of the service. Never make a major decision when you're at a personal low point. Oh man, is that important. Never make a major decision when you're at a personal low point. That statement that I read of Robert Schuller's actually came out of a story of his life when he was a young boy. He was with his dad, and it was wintertime, and they needed some firewood. And so his dad, with Robert in tow, went out, in, I guess, into their woods or their area to find a tree that they could cut down. And they found a tree that the dad believed was dead, checked, you know, all the leaves were gone, snapped the twigs and the branches, and everything snapped um, crisp as if it was dead. And so Robert's father cut the tree down, and they had the firewood. Come next spring, though, he came up to the tree and noticed much to his disappointment that around the trunk of the tree was brand new growth, that he had assumed that because the parts that he had touched had snapped so quickly and all the leaves had fallen, that the tree itself was dead, but it was not. And he said to, to, to Robert, Bob, don't forget this important lesson. Never cut down a tree in the wintertime. Never make a negative decision in the low time. Never make a negative decision in the low time. Never make your most important decisions when you're in your worst mood. Wait, be patient, the storm will pass, spring will come. Those are wise words. I was talking to a congregant and a friend just a few days ago who is experiencing the end of life of a family member. And this congregant is dealing with an awful lot as she is walking that path with her loved one and is feeling big decisions that she needs to make as her life seems to be on hold to be there for the passing of, of her mother. And in a conversation that we had, as she had asked me, you know, how do I plan? What do I do? What do I do for the next month? I, how do I plan? She shared with me, not getting any sleep, that she's the one that is staying awake, holding vigil throughout the entire night. And I said, you know what? I don't think you can make those decisions right now. You are sleep deprived. You can't bring your best, most prayerful self into being able to make that wise, that wise decision. You need to be in that place where you are as rested and clear-minded and open-hearted so you can make the best decisions. It's very much like this illustration or this story of Robert Schuller and his dad in the tree, right? Don't make the important, life-changing decisions at your lowest moments or when you're absolutely exhausted. It's amazing how Often we might think we have to make a decision right away, but if we will step back for a moment, I think most of the time we will find that we can take more time than we thought we had. And that when we do, when we create that space, when we are able to be in a more normal up mode, or at least not a negative, afraid and exhausted mode, we will be able to bring more of our better self forward to make the best decision that we're capable of making. Because stuff's gonna happen. There are pythons out there, right? And we need to find a way to be able to remain as calm as possible while that's happening so that we can access that greater wisdom within us. 
third idea has to do with keeping hope alive. Keeping hope alive. This is in part what I think healthy family is about. This is what I think close, meaningful friendships are about. And by golly, it's got to be what true spiritual community is about. Helping one another to keep hope alive when we feel discouraged. There's plenty of naysayers on the other side of these walls. Would you not agree? Plenty of people that might have the tendency to pull you down so that they don't feel so low or so that they feel higher or better. It is important to make sure that we have around us a support system that can help us to keep that hope alive so that when we are feeling discouraged, when we feel like the python is about up to here and we're not quite sure where the knife is, right, that we've got someone that can be there with us, that can say to us, I believe in you. I know that there is a way through this. I know that there is a way around this or over it or under it or beyond it. And I will do the best that I can to be there with you and for you. We keep hope alive through the quality of the kinds of relationships that we have. Sometimes we are going to be on the giving end of hope to another person. And sometimes we're going to be on the receiving end of hope from that very same person. So having those relationships where hope is a, a strong quality is important. Reading inspirational materials. What are we putting into our minds? What is the first kinds of thoughts that we are putting into our minds when we wake up in the morning? What are the kinds of thoughts we are putting into our minds as we fall asleep at night? Are we doing what we can be doing to keep hope alive? And a fourth, I would say, is to not miss, is to be sure not to miss what could really be happening. When stuff happens, it's usually, we call it stuff because we didn't plan it, right? Think about it, right? When stuff happens, we call it stuff because we didn't plan it. It wasn't on our agenda. We don't maybe have very much control over it, but here it is in our life. Nod your head if, you, if I'm making sense here, right? One of the things I think that can help us when that happens, when stuff happens, is for us to realize that it may not be what it looks like at first glance. It may not be what it looks like at first glance. I'm not saying use spiritual bypass here. I'm not saying sweep it under the carpet. But what I am saying is what looks like an end, what looks like the worst possible thing that could happen, maybe only looks that way because of the size of the frame you have around it right now, because of the way that you are seeing it right now. Would you, could you put a bigger frame around it? Would you, could you step further away from it? Would you, could you get further into the future from it? Would you see it differently? The answer is probably yes. So if in the moment when stuff happens that you didn't plan, that's really thrown you for a loop, can you step back and at least hold a part of your mind, a part of your heart, a part of your consciousness to seeing it through different eyes, to seeing it through a different lens? 
how you thought, I wrote some notes to myself, how one thing you thought and had planned out in a particular way can get disrupted and dislodged, but it can be the very thing that moves you to the next right, better place or decision. So the very thing that, that in the moment feels really unpleasant, downright bad, not what you thought it was going to be, not what you planned, not what you wanted, if you can reserve even just 2% of your mind, 2% of your heart to say, but it may be the very thing that propels me to the next really right and good thing. I think about my experience, this is so many years ago now. I was all of 17 years old. I had been hired to be with Ice Capades as one of the chorus girls in the shows that they used to have. They don't even have those shows any, anymore. And it didn't take me very long to realize that skating in a show is very different than competitive skating on so many different levels, and I hated it. And I had to admit that I wanted to come home. It wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't, it, skating wasn't beautiful to me in that way, and I sure as heck, as a 17-year-old, having never left home before, didn't fit in with the showgirls who were almost 10 years my senior, and would go out drinking every single night. So it wasn't the right, it, in, though, in that moment, I felt like a complete failure. I felt stupid, I felt embarrassed. But had that not happened, I wouldn't be here. It was the right thing to keep me from going onto the path that I thought I was going to go on, which was the path that all my Girlfriends were going on, and that was a college path. Icecapades took me off that path. I thought it was going to be because I was going to be skating all around the country. But it wasn't. It was not right for me. But it was the right thing to happen to put me on a path I would never. Bold underscored large type would have never even considered and how to be awakened with nightmares to pursue this path. But I have to say it was the right path. But the right path revealed itself as a result of stuff that happened that felt in the moment so very wrong. I hope that in some of these very simple ideas that there's something that you can take and really use either right now, if you feel like there's a python up your leg, or to keep in mind for a loved one, or to keep in the back of your mind when it really does feel like stuff is happening and you feel stuck. I hope that at least an idea or two kind of come back in your mind. And maybe it's just the idea, hey, I'm not going to make this important decision when I'm exhausted, when I'm sad, when I'm in my worst possible place. Whatever it is, I hope there's something that surfaces for you that really makes a positive difference. Namaste.